Hello, everybody. How you doing? Hope all is well. This is Perry Rizopoulos, and welcome back to an episode of Shot of Philosophy. And I'm really now officially in full curation mode for this new book that I'm preparing to teach in a summer course called The Art of Living. And as I mentioned, a lot of it is going to be coming from Marcus Aurelius' Meditations. I think for me and Gregory Hayes, who is the translator of this version that we've talked about so much in the podcast, this really is one of the greatest works ever in terms of the art of uh, the art of living, right? Or philosophy as the art of living. We're really getting, as I've said, you know, an inside look at someone's thinking, feeling, and acting from their own perspective. And I think, you know, what I'm going to share today really is pretty all-encompassing. And I think it's a big deal what he's trying to convey to himself here. He basically is saying these three things are essential at all times. And he tells himself that, or he writes that to himself, right? So these are like the three governing things, the three governing rules, principles, right? Teachings, lessons for him that kind of should populate every moment of our day. Right. I think for Marcus, you know, throughout the meditations too, he's trying to get rid of what is not essential. He's trying to focus his life in a way that what's important gets the most attention. And I think that's really powerful because often to kind of reverse that for a second, the things we give attention to will at least feel like they're important. So if we're not good at that, like if we're not good at knowing what's essential, what's not essential in general, that's a problem. And also to, you know, keep it with the Stoics for a moment. If we, we don't know how to do that in a way that's sensitive to context, that's a problem, right? Because someday one thing, or let's say on Monday, one thing is more important than it might be on Tuesday, right? So when we're talking about managing our time, our thinking, knowing what's essential, what's not essential is a really important distinction that I also think maybe not as important as knowing what we can control and what we cannot control. Another important Stoic distinction for you, for, you know, leading a eudaimonic life, but still it's up there. It's got to be one of the top five or 10 most important distinctions we can make if we're embodying the art of living in a Stoic, you know, in a Stoic philosophy. So let me read this. Here are the three things for Marcus Aurelius that are essential at all times. First, he's writing again to himself, your own actions, that they're not arbitrary or different from what abstract justice would do. So two t- you know, a couple takeaways here. One, act justly. 100%. That's one of our virtues. We've talked about it a lot. And we can check ourselves. Am I being fair to others right now in my actions? Again, am I being fair to myself? Don't be random. Right? Make sure they're not arbitrary. Are they a part of what Epictetus might say, you know, of a program of development? Now, randomness happens. Right? We want to be as organized as possible. And that doesn't mean we're not spontaneous, right? It's not at the expense of, of a positive, spontaneous action. But even when we're acting spontaneously, we still have to be responsible for that, right? So I think he's saying here, you know, it's essential that things are orderly and we're working to pursue the virtues in a way that makes sense, right? So don't act randomly. Don't act unjustly. And I think another takeaway here is, once again, to focus on your own actions, by even saying this, he's, he's doing that, right? He's saying it's essential that your own actions, well, take ownership over your actions is also an implication of those first three words that I think can be pretty powerful. I would say it's a good idea in general to take as much responsibility for our actions as we can. 
And of course, again, as the Stoics would say, there are things out of our control. And I think to add a little bit of, let's say, modern psychology to these you know, ancient philosophical ideas, we could argue, I think, nicely, right, that some of our thoughts and feelings, and even, you know, I think the Greeks, a lot of the Greeks would also agree with this, right? The whole idea of the muses we've talked about so much. That to me is sort of an ancient, I don't want to say necessarily philosophical way, but the idea of the muse descending and influencing you, right? It's sort of like ancient psychology in a sense, right? That would sort of be, to some extent, I would say the um, the same thing as an intrusive thought, right? Or an unwelcome thought that seemingly arises out of nowhere, or comes out of nowhere, right? So we still, though, want to strive for these essentials, I would say. So we're keeping that in mind as well. Next one, external events that they happen randomly or by design. You can't complain about chance. You can't argue with providence. So again, here he's writing to himself, and I disagree with the word can't. You definitely can, right? But he's telling himself you can't, I think, to set, set that standard, right? So it's sort of like saying, don't complain about chance. Don't argue with providence. So of course, if things are by design, that's providence that designed them, right? So I think one way to understand providence might just be a higher power, right? So either, and this is a great sort of stoic idea that everything is rational in the universe because of the universe, right? So the universe itself is orderly and rational, right? It makes sense. But for example, other schools of philosophy would say, no, it's totally random. He's arguing here in a way for stoicism and also against stoicism. But ultimately, right, as I think someone who would characterize himself as a stoic, although he does quote other uh, schools of philosophy and philosophers not from the Stoic school in this in this book. He's making a great Stoic argument here. Either way, especially when we connect it to the first thing, I'm going to try to control myself. I'm not going to be random. Even if the universe is random and there's not a design by providence, right? Maybe you know the Stoics love the idea that everything is woven together, every person on earth and also every event, right? So there's a sense of orderliness, a sense of, um, let's say, connectedness that we pursue when we practice philosophy correctly. But either way, if that's not the case, and it is totally random, I don't want to be complaining, which is also to say, I would, I would add to this, right? I don't want to be bothered by it. Once again, one of the key stoic things that we're working to always establish with this book and others is like, how do we relate to external events? Well, they're out of our control. The next question is, well, okay, how do you want to be on this planet? Do you want to be stressed and anxious and afraid, or do you not want to be those things? And in large part, external events might be the causes of those emotions. But we have to see, and this is very much something Marcus reminds himself of over and over again, right? If we think and try to live like the cause of our stress is internal, which is to say, we look at this event, we judge it, we allow it to affect our souls, affect our, our feelings, our thinking our actions. We can prevent that. Again, it's a really interesting argument he's making here to himself. Remember, don't let it bother you. If it's chance, don't let it bother you. If it's providence, you're not going to beat the gods. You're not going to argue and win against the gods. So this is that amor fati, right? That I would say that good or benevolent um, acceptance, not resignation, right? Because the first thing he's saying is take action, right? So he's not saying don't take action in the world, let it be what it is. But here he's saying if something is unchangeable, again, an external event, it doesn't help to complain, it doesn't help to argue with the gods. Next thing, what all things are like from the planting of the seed to the quickening of life 
and from its quickening to its relinquishment, where the parts came from and where they returned to. So this to me is memento mori a little bit, right? And this is a, a, a reflection on the hourglass from the painting we talked about yesterday. Time is moving. We have to confront that. We have to work as a philosopher, right, to question the things around us so we can figure out what they're really like, figure out their purpose, figure out what they should do. It's essential that we do these things. And it's also essential that we understand that we're doing that within the context of a life that, of course, is ending. Right, where the parts come from, where they return to, that's also, I think, a remark on providence or our relationship to the afterlife. So that, I think, for me is, you know, we had number two, Memento Mori, I think number one was that uh, stoic and, you know, very, uh, very much in line with Marcus Aurelius's emphasis on service. And now we get a little bit of Memento Mori and the hourglass once again. The idea that time is quickening or life is quickening. It's each moment, right? We're losing a moment. We're moving closer to the relinquishment or the end of life. So we're getting just in these few lines, some really powerful, I think, essential stoic ideas for leading a flourishing life. Let's go to the third one. That if you were suddenly lifted up and could see life and its variety from a vast height, and at the same time, all the things around you in the sky and beyond it, you'd see how pointless it is. And no matter how often you saw it, it would be the same, the same life forms, the same lifespan. Arrogance about this? And I think he asked that, right? This is interesting. It's like, that should make you humble. So that sounds a little bit weird, right? The idea that, um, you know, how pointless it all is. I think he's writing this to himself, and I, of course, could be wrong here. But when we take, and this is very much a stoic exercise, when we take this perspective of looking down, we've talked about this, right? Looking down at the earth, it separates us from our own egocentrism. It makes us see that we're a part of a larger universe. Throughout this book, he reminds himself how small his role is to play, in the universe. And keep in mind, he's the most powerful person on earth. So it's a necessary reminder, I think, to fight the word he uh, begins the last sentence with, which is arrogance. He doesn't want to make himself arrogant. Arrogance is a vice. He's very concerned with virtue as someone who's practicing philosophy. So one way to do that is to remind himself that although he was the emperor of Rome, he was incredibly powerful. Do this exercise of imagination. Lift yourself up and see everything, all time, all things, and understand that your existence, no matter what might come your way, right, no matter what decision you might have to make, do not get caught up in arrogance. Do this exercise of imagination. I think this idea makes our pain seem smaller. I think this idea and this exercise keeps us humble, and these are all virtuous and helpful things. So be humble, understand the hourglass, understand memento mori, accept what you cannot control and take action in a way that is just and of service to those around you. And again, we might ask ourselves what prompted Marcus to write this, right? What prompted him to sort of in his own words re basically reframe some of the key stoic principles, again, amor fati, memento mori, we're all connected. Be humble. Be of service. Be just, right? 
what was making him take the time that day to reiterate all of these things? And it, to an extent, makes me think of the reminders, right, that we talked about yesterday, because he knows this stuff. These are when you look at you know Stoicism, when you read Epictetus, Seneca, Cicero, Zeno, right? These are ideas that just keep keep coming up with all of these philosophers. They share it with themselves as Marcus's. They share it with others, for example, in the way Epictetus taught. Again, the Art of Living, one of the books we've talked about a lot, was you know those were notes written by one of his students. So this, I think, and I'm glad I shared this today as well because it's sort of like evidence that Marcus Aurelius, as emperor, as a Stoic was practicing what we talked about yesterday, which is I'm going to sit down and literally he wrote like number one, number two, number three. I'm going to write these principles down as reminders. And it's kind of, again, like rephrasing them throughout meditations and that rephrasing is a way to sort of keep it fresh, but also to return to the key, to the core of the ideas, I think. And also, of course, we can apply this to how we live today, right? What external event has already bothered you? Did you complain? Did you argue? If so, how could things have been better if you didn't? Or let's even set the bar lower, right? Because let's be honest, it's what it is. How could your day have been better or could it be better right now if you complained a little bit less or if you argued a little bit less? Or how might maybe the reminder from number two that all things are coming to an end, that life quickens, how could that have kind of maybe relieved some of that stress in the moment? How could zooming out and even looking at your own life, let's say something aggravated you today, right? That seemed random. Well, zooming out and seeing, well, I've dealt with this before. And then zooming even further out and saying, well, people have dealt with way worse examples of randomness and they've still remained calm. They've still remained kind. They still remain truthful. And all of a sudden, some of that stress goes away. It's an exercise in this case for Marcus and self-writing, and it can be for you, but also can be an exercise in thinking. So hope this is helpful. Three Stoic principles, he delivers them to himself in a few paragraphs, once again as a reminder of what is essential. Hope this is helpful. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.